Visit something I talked about late in yesterday's show. Uh, Brian Windhorst, who covers basketball for ESPN, said the Cleveland Cavaliers are battling organizational fatigue, unquote. Windhorst said, quote, It seems to be a side effect of having LeBron James, where the quest for championships, combined with a lack of security over keeping James, leads to some win-now-pay-later decisions, unquote. In other words, LeBron is ruining the Cavs. He made them, and now he's destroying them. It is no fun being on a team with LeBron James. I guarantee that. It seems like it should be, but it's not. Every single thing is all about him. That's why his contract always has an out clause after so many years. So he can hold the team hostage and Bigfoot every single decision made. The result is tension all the time. It's the disease of me. That's what Pat Riley calls it, the disease of me. And he knows. He had LeBron in Miami. Everybody just gets sick of everybody else, and especially of LeBron. Or the LeBron figure with another team. There's too much baggage. LeBron isn't the origin or sole proprietor of the disease of me. It's prevalent. Tom Brady has it. The New England Patriots stopped having fun a long time ago. We're lucky in Pittsburgh. Sidney Crosby doesn't have it, the disease of me. And hockey is mostly immune. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 19... 19- 56. The disease of me. That's good phraseology. Now, all that said, I wish Lane Johnson would shut up. The Philadelphia Eagles tackle. He won't shut up about how the Patriots don't have fun. Did another interview addressing such. Johnson called the Patriots a fear-based organization and said they were miserable. Bro, you didn't invent winning. You did it once. Now shut your big yapper. Nothing is worse than a sore winner. A sore winner is way worse than a sore loser. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Okay, now you can file this story under the heading Duke Lacrosse. In testimony today, the former girlfriend of San Francisco 49er, Reuben Foster, recanted her accusations of domestic violence against the linebacker. Uh, Elisa Ennis, that's her name, said she called 911 three times on Feb 11 because Foster broke up with her. When a prosecutor asked why she called a third time, Ennis said, I wanted him to go down. I was pissed, unquote. And, uh, When Ennis was asked if she took money from Foster, she said, I took more than money. I took all his jewelry and designer stuff. Uh, Ennis also stole his routing and account numbers when he went to jail and cleaned them out. Quote, I wanted to sue Ruben. It was all a money scheme, unquote. 
Ennis said her injuries were the result of a fight with two women after a traffic incident in San Francisco. Uh, she now has regrets. I'm sorry. I apologize to everybody. I didn't think it would get this far, unquote. Now, you could say she is saying that Foster didn't assault her because, I don't know, he paid her off or she wants to get back together. But she cleaned out his bank accounts. Okay, that's a pretty serious crime. Did it while he was in jail. Yikes. Once again, Duke Lacrosse. We hear all these accusations, but from now on, unless somebody's convicted or evidence evidence is there that an out-of-court settlement was reached, I'm not going to take it seriously. Duke Lacrosse. Duke friggin' Lacrosse. 412-333-9939. Oh, uh, Barry Trott spoke to the media. I mentioned that Nick Backstrom skated this morning with the Capitals. Worked on the first-team power play, but Trotz called him a game-time decision and said that he has not yet been medically cleared. Medically cleared? That makes it sound like a head trauma thing, a concussion thing. It's a hand injury as far as we know. I mentioned before that uh, the Cleveland Browns are going to be the featured team on HBO's Hard Knocks. I would not want to ever be on HBO's Hard Knocks, especially with Baker Mayfield. Josh Gordon, that fourth-round pick, the wide receiver from Florida that committed credit card fraud. And it's worth noting that two of the last four head coaches featured on Hard Knocks were fired by season's end, namely Mike Smith and Jeff Fisher. And only five of the 12 teams that have appeared on the series uh, made the playoffs. Neither of the last two playoff teams, which was Cincy in 2013 and Houston in 2015, they did not make it out of the wild card round, and none of the last three teams improved upon their previous season's record. It is just an unbelievable distraction. I'm not saying that all the problems I just rattled off are as a result of appearing on HBO's Hard Knocks, but uh, Hard Knocks don't help. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. And the Steelers just keep saying no, and I don't blame them. I would keep saying no as well. Your thoughts on Marc-Andre Fleury last night? Made the double save on Shifley. Made a lot of great saves, period. Gave Blake Wheeler what appeared to be a wet willy. Now, if Marshawn can't lick people's faces, why can Fleury give Blake Wheeler a wet willy? I'm being facetious, kind of, although hygienically, there's not a lot of difference. And at least Marshawn didn't stick his tongue and that spit into anything. Ugh. But we all love Florian, we all hate Marshawn, and a lot trickles down from those two truisms. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, what's up? Super genius, how are you? Terrific. Is porn stars practice? Nope, they never have sex unless it's on video. The X at 105.9. Interesting headline that, that I hadn't thought of. It's at thebigleague.com. It says, hard knock should show if bronze are still a total mess. 
It's a good point. We have the organization has made strides, but they had kind of a questionable draft. I don't think anybody quite understood those first two picks they made at first and fourth overall. But we'll get a peek behind the curtain, and if they're a mess, we'll know. And if they have improved in terms of operations, well, we'll know that too. Now I'm kind of looking forward to it. Here's some more breaking news. Meta World Peace. That's the artist formerly known as Ron Artest, if I'm not mistaken. He reveals he was once offered 35K to throw games in college. He feels college athletes may be corrupted when sports betting is legalized. Okay, so let me see if I have this straight. He was offered 35K to throw a game in college when sports betting wasn't legal, except in Nevada. And now he fears that'll escalate when sports betting is legalized. Now, does he feel more such illicit offers will be made or bigger illicit offers? And if he turned it down when sports betting wasn't legal outside Nevada, then why can't people turn it down now? Will there be temptation? Yeah, there always has been. It'll be exactly the same as it was regarding the corruption of sports. And at the collegiate level, the way to clean up the threat of that would be to pay the players like you should. Do not exploit the young athletes like they are. I think uh, Metal World Peace just wanted to get his name in headlines. What a name, Metal World Peace. Yikes. Uh, here's another story. You know who Elliot Friedman is? He's a hockey writer in Canada. And everybody treats him as being very credible. He's always wrong. He's going to be wrong about this too. He said he heard the Penguins are going to do whatever they have to do to clear cap space so they could sign John Tavares, the uh, New York Islanders free agent center. That makes zero sense at all on so many levels. The only way it would make sense would be if you would ditch Malkin. Because Tavares is a center. I mean, they didn't have enough minutes for Derek Broussard, a third-line center. You think they'd have enough for Tavares to be a third-line center? He's not a wing. I doubt he would want to play wing. If you're not going to move Malkin, I guess you could clear cap space by moving Kessel, but that won't be easy. He's not in demand. He's a 6.8 hit. The Leafs already assumed 1.2, 8 million cap hit total. I think this is just full of crap. And, and then Elliot Friedman says, well, maybe it'd take a one-year deal to try and win. Yeah, that happens all the time where guys pass up long-term security and untold tens of millions of dollars to try and win. Except I can't really think of even the last time it happened. I know what he's talking about. Some guys do sign bridge contracts to stay where they're at and help the team out cap-wise so they can get big money, but but Tavares wouldn't be staying where he's at. He would be smack dab in the middle of big cash. Financial independence for the rest of his life 
And he's not going to blow that for going to Pittsburgh for one year. And maybe you win, maybe you don't. Maybe you blow out your knee, too. Let's go to Tim in the car. Tim, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Hey, I wanted to get your quick opinion on that whole hard knocks thing. Do you think that um, the distraction is uh, the big problem, or are they just going after crap franchises anyways? I mean, crap franchises are really the only ones that seem to be saying yes to the whole proposition of being filmed. Well, there's some kind of standard by which you can't say yes. I mean, you can't say no. Some teams have no choice, but the Steelers have been in a position where they had no choice, and yet the, the show never seems to get there. I think... I think if you miss the playoffs the prior year, you don't have a choice. I'm not sure what it is. I'll research that, but I'd love to see the Steelers do it, wouldn't you? Yeah, no, I'd love to watch it, but it just—I mean, I'm not well versed on all the teams that have been on there, but I can't recall last time a real, you know, one of the storied franchises, one of the ones that seem to have their stuff squared away, have anything to do with that show. I mean, Jeff Fisher seemed like he got roped into it just because wasn't that the year they drafted Michael Sam? I forget, but, boy, I almost forgot he existed. Okay, I looked this up. Thanks for the call. Uh, Teams are exempt from appearing if they just hired a new head coach, made the playoffs in either of the previous two seasons, or appeared on Hard Knocks in the last 10 years. Interesting. That really knocks out a lot of teams. Let's go to Chris in Upper St. Clair. Chris, you're on with Double M. What up, Mark? What up? I heard these two characters last week on the NHL Network talk about this very topic, Tavares to wing to the Penguins. The guys are both from Toronto, NHL Network in the morning. Um, you I, I just know don't see how they fit them in under the cap. Well, I don't either, but they just their point was. It was Tavares, probably Elliot Friedman. Was it Elliot Friedman? That Friedman and something is both of their last names? Yeah, he's on the NHL Network all the time, so it was probably him. Okay, there you go. Then it must have been him himself. Their point was that Tavares wants to win more than anything. Typically, they talked about how much money someone's going to Uh, get. Okay, first off, excuse me, but how do they know he wants to win more than anything? And wouldn't wouldn't he say that even if he didn't mean it? I totally agree with you, obviously. That's what every agent would say for every player. And what every player would say on his own behalf, too. They all say they want to win, but they all take the most money, don't they? They do, but I guess they just made it seem like he actually means it. (laughs) Yeah, and for a while I heard he wanted to stay in Brooklyn, too. (laughs) Well, I'm sure everybody says that, and LeBron always wanted to stay in Cleveland. Yeah, and I think think maybe he and Tavares will go to the same team. Let's go to Matt in Washington. Matt, you're on with Double M. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, same topic as the previous caller, but I think that, I mean, I know it's not the same situation because you'd have to trade, but if we were going to clear that amount of cap space, I'd rather have Carlson. Yeah, it would make more sense, wouldn't it? I mean, I think so. I mean, we're, we're stacked at center, but it's, like I said, it's probably about the same cap hit that he'd be asking for in terms of pay. Well, it, 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 Right, because uh, Tavares would probably be more, actually. Tavares is going to be like a $10 million player. Carlson will probably be eight or nine. But, yeah, you're splitting hairs there financially. But uh, I don't think either one is even a remote possibility to come to Pittsburgh. I'll hope for Carlson. Thank you. <laughs> what about Eric Carlson? You did mean John Carlson, I hope, because I'd rather have him than Eric Carlson. 
I could see Eric Carlson going to, to Vegas and ruining the team. You know, just taking that giant ego and that me-first attitude and ruining the team. Let's go to Bill in Bridgeville. Bill, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Always good to talk to you, my man. Right. Hey, uh, I, I have a question for you. Um, looking at Facebook, and I know there are a bunch of dopes on Facebook, but what is the logic behind the people saying, okay, Latang's a bum, we want to trade him, and in return they're talking about getting like a two-top-flight defenseman or a good winger. If he's such a bum... How do they think that uh, they're going to get this? Well, no, big you're right. That's 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 what we always hear. The people who want to trade Latang say Latang stinks. You got to get rid of him. You'll never win with him. And then they want to get like a first round pick at a number one defenseman for him. Well, if he yeah, stinks, I, I, how do you expect to get that? It's just they're they're not trading Latang. Jim uh, I, I hope said they don't. he would, I, I, he would listen to he... offers, but he's not going to get the offer that tempts him. Let alone makes him make the deal. It just isn't going to happen. Up next in studio, the fans will probably be calling in with dirty talk. From TheAthletic.com, it's Josh Showy on 105.9. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. I mentioned earlier I couldn't think of any hockey player who took a one-term, a one-year deal to try and win and passed up long-term big money. Actually, Marion Hosa did. When he signed with Detroit in 2009, you saw what that got him, runner-up. Joining me now in studio from TheAthletic.com, it's Josh Joey. Josh, is Mark andre Fleury cementing a place in the Hall of Fame right in front of our very eyes? I do believe he is, Mark. Um, when you look at the numbers, he's going to finish top five all-time in games one for goaltenders. He's won three Stanley Cups, and you can argue that maybe he didn't have everything to do with a couple of those, but... I don't know. I would argue that they don't win at least two of those without him for sure. And if he even gets to the final as the goaltender of an expansion team, that might just about wrap it up. I know he had that spell for a couple of years when he wasn't very good, but when you look at the body of work, um, looks like a Hall of Famer to me. I know the expansion rules were liberal for Vegas, and George McPhee did a great job, the GM. But is it fair to say Vegas wouldn't be where they're at if not for Flurry? That he is the one key guy. Yes, I, I truly believe that. And they're better than any of us thought they could ever be, even if you take away the goaltending. But he makes them different. Uh, look at his numbers in the postseason, what he's done. Look at the third period last night when Winnipeg was just steamrolling them the whole period. And not only was he making these incredible saves, but he you know, had the flurry smile on his face the whole time he was doing it. And don't think that doesn't rub off on those guys. Uh, somebody who's won three Stanley Cups, who, who has that kind of infectious personality that he does. Um, just I was on Vegas back in December for a couple of days just being around that team. He is the leader of that team in every possible way, and the way he has played, he's always been a very good goaltender, but I absolutely believe he is the very best goaltender in hockey right now. So, no, I don't think they'd be where they are without him. Well, he's the best one left in the playoffs, that's for sure. Yes. And uh, I think if they had had an average goalie, like, let's say Malcolm Saban and, you know, the other guys they have back and flurry up would have mm-hmm. been their goaltenders this year. I think they probably would have been a playoff team still, but I don't think they would have won a playoff series. I think he's been the difference in the postseason because, obviously, his talent, but also that experience. Yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, this is a very well-coached team as well. Gallant has done 
an extraordinary job. And they do have some legitimate talent, sure. But I don't think they win that division. I don't think they are where they are right now without him. And what's incredible to me, not only that they're two games away from the final, but really just how dominant they've been in the postseason. I mean, this is... There's nothing fluky. And Winnipeg steamrolled them in game one. It was still only 4-2. Like, they just never look like not only an expansion team, but they never even look average. They always look something a little better than that. Is this season the best Marc-Andre Fleury has ever played, including the playoffs? And why would that be at 33 and with an expansion team? Well, I, I think it probably is. I will say this, and I bet Matt Murray would agree with me privately right now. It's not easy being the Penguins goaltender. It's not. Uh, throughout really the last 30 years, I guess, but certainly in the Crosby era, this is a team that tries to win with offense, that tries to outscore opponents to, to, to a pretty large extent. Um, Vegas doesn't play that way, and most NHL teams don't play that way. And and I was out in December uh, in Vegas talking with Flurry, and I said, Mark, your numbers have never been better. What's going on? And he said, oh, I feel good, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, well, you know, we don't really give up too many two-on-ones here. So he was, he was kind of having fun with the fact that when, you, when you're playing for the Penguins, you're trying to win games 5-4, and, and Vegas is a little different. So I think that's going to help a goaltender's numbers. And, and also, don't discount this, Mark. He was motivated. I mean, he said all the right things last year. He's the greatest guy ever, as everybody knows, so he wasn't going to rock the boat or cause problems. But, of course, I think the ego was bruised a little bit when Murray became the guy. And, of course, he wanted to show the hockey world, hey, by the way, this is how good I am. So I think that has something to do with it also. Uh, that double save on Shifley in the third period, <laughs> that could become an iconic moment for Vegas, Josh, kind of like Flurry saved to finish Game 7 at Detroit back in 09. I don't think the first save is getting enough recognition in that sequence. It was an unbelievable save he made with the right pad and then throwing his body in front of the second shot. That was incredible, and that's when you knew at that point, like, you know, they're going to win this game. I was watching that third period. I thought, boy, Winnipeg just has the puck the whole time. Vegas is really in trouble here. But when he did that, you could feel it just kind of deflated the Jets a little bit. It was an awesome moment. And and that's one of my favorite things about Flurry. Not only is he a great goaltender, but, boy, is he fun to watch. I know you always say that you know there's never been a goaltender that people paid to go see, and I agree with that. But there's something to be said for entertainment value at that position, and he's always had it, and that was a, a beautiful moment of it. Between uh... – manually stimulating the goalpost after every save the, the post makes and That's the what Willie to Blake Wheeler. And a celebration on the Ovechkin save last year, which we can't get into too thoroughly. Yeah, that was the, a variation on, on the prior theme. Yes. <laughs> you could tell Blake Wheeler just didn't know what to do. He didn't even get mad. Like I, I thought he was going to punch him in the face, but maybe he thought, oh, it's Mark, I can't get mad at him. Or maybe he didn't really fully comprehend what was happening at that moment. <laughs> but I thought it was great. I... And obviously, Flower was amusing himself and knew it was going to make all the. Uh, he said he felt left out. Well, everybody was fighting, and I I felt left out. Uh, we I mentioned Shifley, who who got robbed a couple times by Flower, but he's having a great playoff. Yes, and I was debating him with Mike Rupp yesterday. Is Shifley a truly top tier player now, or does Winnipeg being in the semis blow that out of proportion a little bit? He's really good. Uh, he, he's a very gifted finisher. He always has been. Do I view him as a top-tier center with the Crosbys and McDavid's and Matthews and Tavares's of the world? Uh, no, not quite, I don't think. But that's not a knock on him. He, he's a legitimate all-star who's having a historical postseason. I think most goals ever on the road in a postseason already. It's only the conference final, for heaven's sake. So he's the real deal. He's an all-star. I'm not quite ready to elevate him there. He's he's surrounded by an awful lot of talent. That Winnipeg team is really deep and really talented, so that probably helps a little bit. 
Where's that series going from here? Uh, Winnipeg looked frustrated last night. I thought they could have won the game, probably should have won the game, but uh, they, they kind of got a little antsy when they couldn't. Yeah, you know, I picked Winnipeg in seven uh, in that one. I guess I will stick with that. But, yeah, they did look frustrated, and I, I, I'm tired of picking against Vegas, Mark. I mean, it's just every series I pick them to lose, and maybe they're not going to lose. I, maybe they're not. Maybe they're better even to this day than anyone gives them credit for. And you're right. When you have a pretty even series and you have a goaltender who's that much better than anyone else in the playoffs right now, that gets your attention. And if, if Vegas wins game four, they're going to win that series. Now, that said, if it goes back to 2-2, it's anybody's guess. But uh, it's a great series. It really is. We're talking to Josh Shelley of The Athletic live in studio here on the X. Uh, Josh, I mentioned before about Marion Hosa signing the one-year deal with Detroit in, in, in 09 to try to you know get a cup. Uh, Michael on Twitter mentions that Paul Curry and Timu Solani did the same thing with Colorado in 03-04, yeah. uh, a one-year deal to try to win. Which brings me to Elliot Friedman, a Canadian hockey guy, says the Penguins are going to pursue John Tavares. I just don't see how that's possible, and I don't see why he would sign a one-year deal. Then again, the three guys I mentioned all did, and they're Hall of Famers. Well, listen, he's a great player. I suppose if his agent contacted Jim Rutherford and said, hey, let's let's talk ball here, I, I'm sure Jim would listen. But I have certainly not heard anything to that effect. Uh, the Penguins don't have much salary cap space at all. In fact, they have a bunch of restricted free agents, guys like Riley Shea and Jamie Alexiak, Brian We're Ross. We're going to get a bit of a raise. They are, and I asked Jim, I said, are you worried about being able to keep those guys? And he said, we should be okay because he thinks the cap's going to go up to around $80 million. But they're not interested in going out and bringing in a huge contract. They can't. You'd have to get rid of Kessel or Latang. You'd have to yes. dump somebody to make it possible. And I don't think DeVars would want to play wing. No. He's, or third-line center. He has never been a wing, and he sure as heck has never been a third-line center. He's a great player. I'm sure he would fit in somehow, but I, I just can't possibly imagine that happening. And he's, you know, he's in his late 20s, right in the prime of his career. It's the contract for him to go out and make, you know, a hundred million or whatever he's going to get. And he's worth it. He's a great player, but I, I don't see that happening. And you know, the Penguins know at this point that they have enough stars. Uh, if anything, there was almost too much star power, and maybe not enough. Uh, grit or structure or whatever word you want to use on this most recent version of the Penguins, I don't think going out and bringing in another star is what they need, and just financially makes no sense. Is tonight do or die for Tampa Game 4? Because they were great in Game 3, and tonight feels like a huge game both ways in D.C. Probably. I, You know, it's easy to say you never know with the Capitals, given their history, but I, I do sense they're a stronger emotional team than they once were. Um, that said, I, I really feel like whoever wins tonight probably wins that series. If Tampa wins two on the road, boy, they've got a lot of momentum going back home where I doubt they will lose again. And I don't think Washington's going to blow a 3-1 lead either. So, uh, and you know, is Backstrom going to play or isn't he? That's become the big drama in that series now. That certainly could sway things one way or the other. But I, I would say Tampa probably does need to win tonight to answer your question. I, I don't think this is a version of the Capitals that's going to blow a 3-1 lead against anyone. Kucherov got going finally. Uh, he hasn't done much since the first round, but uh, that's what won game three for Tampa, isn't it? Uh, Kucherov got going. Yeah, that was part of it. It was just their star power. I thought Stamkos and Kucherov and Hedman were the best players on the ice in game three. And uh, But but I think Stamkos and Hedman have been playing pretty well in the playoffs, don't you? They have. You know, Kucherov hasn't really been that great since about February. He was the best player in the league in the first half of the season. There's no question about that. And, and while he was hardly bad in the second half, his level of play tailed off. And, uh, 
even though Tampa is a fairly deep team, the way they're structured, they're a little bit like the Penguins. They need their stars to play like stars if they're going to beat the best teams. And that guy is a star. He played very well. And I'm curious to see how they respond. It should be a good one tonight. I, I think uh, both conference finals are very interesting because I have no clue who's going to win either one. Has McDonough paid off for Tampa getting him? Has it paid off like they thought? Because I'm not sure it has. I thought he was always overrated in New York, and he's been on the ice for a lot of goals against. He's incredibly overrated. He He's a solid NHL defenseman. That's what Ryan McDonough is. That's no knock. He's, he's a nice player. He's Paul Martin. You know, but because he was the captain of New York, um, you, you hear about him, and, and he is portrayed and illustrated in a different kind of light. Uh, we've seen that forever in professional sports with athletes in New York, and he's a great example, but he's a good player. He's a number four defenseman. That's exactly what he is, and that's how they use him. So I guess that's fine, but I, you know, every time I watch him play, I, I feel I'm a little bit underwhelmed. I know the Penguins have certainly had their way against him at times over the years, so... You know, he's not hurting them, but I don't think he's been all that impactful. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I think reuniting him and Girardi, I mean, that was the washed-up pair in New York a couple of years ago. I mean, why would it help Tampa now? And the Penguins always roasted those guys. God, what Sid and Gino must be thinking right about now. Boy, we could have been going against Dan Girardi in the conference finals because, my God, have they had some sex, success against that guy over the years. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I I think Tampa is a very good team, but it has its weaknesses. And that's why I said all along, when they were playing Boston, if you wanted to look ahead, if the Penguins advanced that far, I like the Penguins' chances against Tampa a lot better because of those particular matchups. I just think the Penguins would have scored a lot of goals against them had they any uh, energy left in the tank. Josh, uh, what's your take on Backstrom? He skated this morning, did line rushes, did first-team power play. They say he's a game-time decision but not medically cleared to play. But I can't believe that he would have done all he did at the morning skate if he wasn't playing tonight. And, boy, him returning would be perfect timing because I think the Capitals need a boost. Yeah, and the Capitals thrive a lot because of their power play. And he's the guy who makes their power play go. I know everyone thinks it's Ovechkin, but really he's the guy that sets the table for everyone on that power play, and he does so brilliantly. He's one of the best passers in hockey. So his return would be a big deal. I have no idea if he's playing, but I I can tell you based on how the Penguins do things – generally when a guy takes part in a practice with the top power play, that means he's playing that night. Uh, Very rarely do the Penguins in a morning skate uh, go with uh, a five-man unit that's not the five-man unit they're going to use that night. So that tells me maybe he plays tonight. We'll see what kind of form he's in. I think he has a broken bone in his hand, if I had to guess. Don't you agree that they could use a boost, though? Yes. Oh, sure. And you could sense that a little bit. I mean, they, They can't play any better than they did in the first two games of that series in Tampa. Not without Backstrom. No, and, and Ovechkin's been great. But we saw it, I think, with Crosby and Gensel. As great as they were, you needed someone else to start scoring goals at some point, and I think the Capitals might be in that kind of a spot. So, yeah, I mean, Backstrom's a great player. He's an all-star caliber player, obviously. So, yeah, you get him back, that certainly could theoretically sway things in their to their advantage. You know who's playing real well for Washington is Matt Niskanen. Yeah. He's been kind of a hidden catalyst for the Capitals this year. Boy, you know, he had that year in Pittsburgh. It might have been his last year here when he was just so good, which is perfect because it was a contract year for him. And he just has been solid as a rock ever since. Um, There aren't many more defensemen in hockey that are just more solid than him. He's not a guy who wows you with offensive ability, but he'll score seven or eight goals a year. He's got a good shot. But it's his defensive work that, that I always notice. He and Carl Alsner were a pair a couple of years ago. They held Crosby without a goal in that series, even though the Penguins won it. Um, man, he, he just has a way of neutralizing really good players. He is a solid player, and I give Todd Reardon a lot of credit for that. He worked for years with Matt Niskanen in Pittsburgh, 
Niskanen was kind of a mess when he arrived here, much like Justin Schultz was a few years later. And uh, uh, he's a very wealthy man now as a result of that work with Todd Reardon, I think. Uh, getting back to Vegas for one second. They have a ton of cap room <laughs> and a loaded team already. Yes. I mean, when you have an expansion team, you're going to have a, a low cap. That's just the way that's going to work. Uh, are they going to get some big-time free agents? That would be a very attractive place to go uh, for a lot of reasons. If I were a free agent, boy, I'd sure want to consider playing in Vegas, like you said, for, and not just because of Vegas, because it's a really good team with a really good coach and a beautiful new building and all the amenities. Uh, yeah, the two names that you're going to hear – Oh, John Tavares, we already talked about him. If you're Tavares, don't you at least consider Vegas? Uh, and I know they'll consider him. If you have Tavares and William Carlson as your top two centers, you can really build something around that, assuming William Carlson is, you know, this is actually the William Carlson we're going to see for the next few years. Um, and you're going to hear Eric Carlson's name come up there just because of the cap And space. John Carlson. Him they too. should get everybody named Carlson. They should get Sounds like the, slap shot. The, the Carlson <laughs> brothers, right, Steve's. Steve, Jack, and Jeff. Why not? They'd fit in. It's already a carnival atmosphere. I think they should go for it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, John Carlson might be more of what they need. Honestly, I don't know that they need Eric Carlson there. He's kind of – he changes the way a team plays almost, maybe too much if he went there. Well, th that's my next point. I think they have to be careful what free agent they get because if they get a prima donna who's used to being uh, the centerpiece of the team, which Eric Carlson definitely was in Ottawa – Sure. It could hurt what they have. Uh, you know, I wouldn't get Eric. Although Eric Carlson has one more year left on his contract. Correct. It would be You'd a have trade. to trade for him. It would. Um, but he's very likely to be traded this offseason. Well, yeah, he's not signing in Ottawa, clearly. And, and anybody's going to want him because, you know, he's a Hall of Fame player. There's only so many of those. But you're right. Uh, George McPhee's in a fascinating spot this summer because he had no clue this was going to happen. And he, I think he probably thought, yeah, we can be better than any expansion team ever, maybe. But no one saw this coming, including George, I'm sure. So what do you do? Do you just tinker a little bit and keep doing what you're doing, or you just keep going for it? I have no clue what he's going to do, but I will say this. George McPhee's a guy who's very easily seduced by big-time talent in Washington. He would overpay for guys that you know, he really liked that could light it up offensively, so maybe he'll go do something. Did it surprise you that McPhee stuck to uh, keeping the team together and didn't swap uh potential free agents for picks at the deadline. I understand why he did it, and I think it was the right move, but what if they had lost in the first round? There was a bit of a gamble there on his part. Yeah, there was. Perfect for the city in which he resides. Yes. Um, you know what? I, I think he determined, and I agree with him, at that point, you kind of owe it to your fan base to go for it a little bit. I mean, listen, nobody thought they were going to win the Cup, but when you're winning your division and you're, you you got the second-best record in the West, you have a chance so I think if you said to your fan base, hey, we're going to keep building for the future, we're not really taking ourselves too seriously, I think it sends a horrible message, and I, I think that's why he did it, and it has paid off brilliantly, hasn't it? How do you think Vegas will respond when they're not that good, which could come as soon as next year? I expect there will be a bit of a hangover from this year to next. I, I just think that's the nature of of such a surprise in terms of the way they perform this year. Yeah, I, I, I haven't a clue. It's not like, you know, in Pittsburgh where people had to go 24 years without seeing the Stanley Cup, and a lot of cities have been like that. Some cities have never won a cup. Some cities have gone more than 40 years without winning a cup, Mark. I just wanted to throw that in there for you because I've never seen them win a cup. But uh, <laughs> um, I don't know, but I will say this. As God intended. <laughs> the people are ravenous for hockey in Vegas, and, and I could see it 
more than a year ago when I was out there when they first were awarded the team. It's all people were talking about. And I think Vegas is unique in that regard in that they don't have any other teams. So I, I know they're getting the Raiders in a couple of years. Maybe that will change things. But they've really embraced this team. It's a bigger city than people think. So I think they're going to be okay. But it will be interesting when it happens. That's Josh Oye of The Athletic. He's brought to you by the Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. I'm Mark Madden. Up next, we talk to Bob McLaughlin here on The X. Dumb that sound. The X at 105.9. Thanks to Josh Joey for joining me. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought you by 84 Lumber. Uh, Bob, uh, what's your take on this crazy rumor about the Penguins being interested in John Tavares as a free agent? Uh, I'll be blunt. I don't trust Elliot Friedman's reporting, and I just don't see how Tavares would fit uh, both under the cap or in the lineup. You know, doing what I do to get ready for the show each day and seeing what's out there, what people are going to talk about, I have seen Tavares' name with everybody. I've seen him with Buffalo. You hear him in Vegas. You know, last night they were talking about him in the pregame maybe going there. You hear him with the Penguins. Um, the One of the last places I would see him is here with the Penguins just because of what you talked about. He's a natural center. He likes center. He makes his money. Maybe nine to ten million dollars coming up soon as a center. Penguins don't have room for a center right now, and with the needs that they have and what they're going to have to do next year, maybe you keep that money and you know bolster the defense a little bit. Maybe make a small change here or there. Penguins are okay; they don't they don't need to spend like that or to get a player at that position. Now, Gordon Miller, another Canadian journalist, said that he hears Tavares might be headed for Buffalo. Now, he could certainly max out on the contract there. But he wouldn't win anytime soon. And he might be the second line center there because they have Eichel. And if they make Eichel the second line center, he's gonna wet his pants. <laughs> so so I don't see Buffalo as a destination either. I mean, it 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 should be easy to fit in a guy like John Tavares, but maybe it's not. There's a lot of good centers out there right now. It's the most important position, but there's a lot of good ones. Well, I remember you know, specifically end of the season, Mark. Tavares did talk a lot about wanting to win and whether it was going to be with the Islanders again or somewhere else. Yeah, but else. don't they all say that? Yeah, and and I, you know, I kind of throw a little bit of weight behind what he's saying because he is a tremendous player. He has been in the league a while now. He's made his money. Maybe it is. To, he's still going to get paid, no matter if he goes to a team that has a shot at winning again right now. Uh, he's still going to get paid. So maybe he was laying some groundwork. And again, I don't see Buffalo in that category that they're such a sure shot to be one of the favorites next year. So maybe if you're tossing Penguins out of the top category and where he's going to end up, maybe you throw Buffalo out there too. Uh, the Pirates are in action tonight. Chad Cool pitching. And I think he's done a great job, Bob. Like I said earlier, forget about his record, which is 4-2. and two, That's okay. Forget about his ERA, which is 4.17. That's okay. He's gone five innings and seven out of eight starts. For me, a bottom-rung starter like him, that's all you want. <laughs> it almost doesn't matter what the score is when he gets out of the five innings. You just don't want him to blow up your bullpen every time. Mark, five innings. Look at over the last couple of years. We've had guys going two innings, three innings, like habitually not getting out of the fourth or fifth. So if he's going to go five, and you're right, those numbers there are very respectable. Um, this isn't an ace-heavy uh, rotation, you know, as long as the Pirates are hitting like they're hitting right now and they're not making the base-running blunders that they've made over the last few years, their pitching can cruise along right like this. And again, if they get to a point far enough, if they get to the trade deadline and they're in this position, first, second place, and they're within grasp of it, maybe you do make the move 
for one other arm in there, for a better arm in there to bolster it in case the hitting does go south a little bit. Or maybe Nick Kingham's that arm. Or, or exactly, maybe Although Nick Kingham. For whatever reason, the service clock or whatever, they would be loath to do that. Is that that's got to be the only thing that they're worried about right now, right? He well, should be up six here. Six and two thirds perfect in his major league debut. I would like to see what he could do. You know, and he did okay his second start, and then boom, right back down. Yeah, I didn't understand that one. I'm sure you know I'm on the long. Uh, things that Pirate fans are wanting to discuss right now about this team. Maybe that's right up there, top three. Why isn't that arm? Why aren't we seeing what he can do, sticking with the big league a little bit? Bob, I'm talking about this in 30 seconds. If Flurry wasn't on Vegas, would Pittsburgh hate that the Golden Knights were going so far? Would we be jealous, in fact? It's a really tough question, Mark, because I turned on the TV last night and I saw all that pregame stuff and saw how, you know, the pandemonium out there and all the pageantry and the showmanship and the jet breaking in two. And it looked like medieval times, Jim Carrey and, you know, Matthew Broderick out there battling to the death. You know, that open they do with the knight killing people and planting the flag, no, pulling the sword out of the stone, that wouldn't play anywhere else but there. Exactly. Then again, I've seen it. They do it very well because. Well, that's what they do in because Vegas. Because it's Vegas, and I was all set to bitch about it and say, come on, let's play the game, and I found myself into it. But so. don't, don't you think they're jealous in places like uh, Minnesota, St. Louis, places that have had teams forever and never won even one cup? Especially places like Minnesota, where that's hockey born and bred, and you've got Vegas coming in there, and then all of a sudden they're this far along in the playoffs, and they're playing like they have with a bunch of you know non-superstars on the team, except for Marc-Andre Fleury. You can throw him into the superstar status right now, especially with Vegas. Well, Minnesota's an odd hockey market for, for pro hockey, because I still think in most ways the Gophers, University of Minnesota, they're number one there for hockey, but they have been kicked around when it comes to pro hockey. The North Stars... Never won. They lost to the Penguins in 91. Cinderella story. They finished well under 500 and still made the Stanley Cup final, only to run into the buzzsaw that was Mario Lemieux. And then they moved to Dallas, won a cup there not long after moving. Now the Wild have had good teams, but I think uh, underachieved quite a bit. Yeah, oh yeah, even after loading up with Parise and a couple of big names the last few years and really spending some money, it's got to be killing them to see Vegas waltz right into the league, and they're the bell of the ball right now. They can do no wrong unless, of course, uh, Winnipeg takes them. But I I thought Winnipeg was going to be the clear favorite in this series. Crapshoot now, Mark. I have no idea. That's Bob McLaughlin. He's brought you by 84 Lumber. In just 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why deep down we should really hate Vegas and hope they lose. 105.9 The X.